Hello and welcome to For the Love of Truth. This is episode 232 and today I'm delighted that we have once again got Tony back on the show. Today we talked about some clarification of the statistics and how the numbers were being manipulated from the last video in response to some questions he had had. We also then move on to discuss the COV ID situation. I think that actually should be C-O-V-E-R because it is nothing but a cover story for something more serious going on in the background so that they have a scapegoat to blame instead of taking blame and responsibility themselves for what they have done. We're going to be talking about the financial situation, about the difference between money and currency. And interestingly, if you haven't worked out currency, currency as in electricity, we discuss more about what is happening there, about the real possibilities that we will see very high inflation and possibly hyperinflation, about what the impact of that will be, and about ways and means that you can protect some of your wealth. We also discuss the Great Reset at length, and again, things you can do to hopefully protect some of your wealth and maintain some of your anonymity and your freedoms during that uh, most unpleasant situation that is being brought about by the likes of Klaus Schwab and his minions. It's always a great pleasure having Tony on the show. Really enjoyed the chat, and I'm so looking forward to our discussion next week when we'll be teaming up with Alex, who had type 1 diabetes. And you guys are absolutely amazing, and I am so looking forward to speaking to you and seeing you in the next episode. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Excellent. Well, Tony, it's always a great pleasure. Thank you so much for coming back on the show again. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to be back. Yeah, let's hope we have another good, uh, good chat. I'm sure we will do. And, and today we're going to be talking all about currency, which is not money. And I thought maybe you can just wander off in that general direction and we'll see where we go. Yeah, certainly. We'll, uh, we'll definitely delve into that. Um, just before we start that, I, I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of questions about uh, some of the mathematics. And one thing that came up, so I could just cover this before we go into the economic stuff. Yeah, yeah. What The question people had was about the, the way that risk is assessed. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the sort of frauds that's going on in, in perception is that by grouping people into certain age groups, yeah. it distorts the the individuality of risk. And there's a lot of this going on at the moment. So if you look at the overall infection recovery rate, it's ninety nine point eight percent or there or thereabouts, which means that. If you've got 500 people, 499 are going mm-hmm. to be fine of these 500 people. Yeah. And so it's just that one person. Um, and then people say, oh, yeah, that's all very well. But what about the over 80s or something where the, the risk is much higher because the percentage, you know, is one in five or something might die. I said, yeah, but what you're doing by, by grouping people like that is you're not assessing the individual's health and the perception of many of the older people I meet is that because they're in this category of over 80s where the risk is higher, they're not looking at themselves and saying, well, even though I'm of this age and in this group, where do I fit in terms of my own health? Mm-hmm. Because in terms of the 499 out of 500, they're going to be in the 499 because, because they're intrinsically healthy in themselves. My parents, for example, are very healthy. They're in their 80s, but they're very healthy people. So the, the risk, the increased risk, because they're in the over 80s category doesn't really apply to them because they need to look at their own health Mm -hmm. and people need to be more aware of that 
So before they just look at the statistics and go, oh, I'm going to die because I'm in this group. That's not how it is. Look at your own health mm-hmm. um, and then assess that within the context of the group that you're in. I just wanted to make that point because I think a lot of distortions being caused by that. No, it's, it's a very valid point, yeah. And, it, it's, and it's obviously very intentional on their part to try and skew the numbers even further. Yeah. Um, and obviously it, it, it plays into the uh, agenda of, of, of the people who are not at so much risk statistically, worrying about those that are statistically. And it, it's worrying about the whole category of people yeah. on this statistic. Whereas if if people are worried about seeing their parents, they shouldn't be looking at the risk for the parental group they're in. They should be looking at the health of their parents and saying, well, are my parents healthy and fit and well? And if they are, then they're not really at any risk, even if they do catch this thing. So, yeah, that's that's a very important uh, mm-hmm. thing to grasp, I think, for people. Yeah, sure. Thank you for that. Anyway, moving on to the economic side of life. Yeah, currency and money. I think a lot of people use those words interchangeably and don't know there's a, a difference, a subtle difference. So a currency is, is something that is portable, durable, divisible, fungible, which means that sort of each unit of that stuff is the same. Whereas money has got an additional property of having a store of value, a store of wealth. Um, and so what's, what's happened over the years is that those two things have become synonymous. And before, it was quite obvious which was which. So if we go back to the early days of, let's say, the early 1900s, when the Fed would, was born in 1913, the the currency that we used, the dollar or the pound, whatever, was linked to the gold that was available to those printing the currency. Mm-hmm. So if, if you wanted to print more of the currency, if you wanted to print more dollars or more pounds, then you had to have the gold in your vault to back it up. And that stopped the arbitrary random printing of currency. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stopped the inflation of that currency, which is very important, because you, as soon as you allow inflation to take off, you start to detract from the value of the currency that's already in circulation. Yeah, this is very important. Um, and obviously, over the last century, we've seen a, a general detachment of currencies from money. Um, the the sort of major point in history where we completely lost the link with gold was when Richard Nixon, I think it was on August the 15th in 1971, took took the US dollar off the gold standard. And because every other currency in the world was basically linked to the US dollar, every currency was detached from gold, effectively. And then the US dollar became the, the global reserve currency. Um, and that gave the Americans huge advantage because then they were able to print as much dollar currency as they wanted and use that to buy stuff and that's one of the reasons why america became a very powerful nation over the last sort of 50 years it's because they had that advantage of their currency being the the sort of one that everything else was pegged to that's quite a sleight of hand isn't it it is a very interesting sleight of hand um but unfortunately that it's going to come home to roost very shortly because all of these dollars that went around the world buying stuff are shortly probably going to come back to America um, and they're not going to want them, but it's going to have a huge impact on the American economy particularly, but on the global economy because 
although we've seen issues with currencies in individual current uh, countries over the years, um, obviously the Weimar Republic in, in the dim and distant past, more recently in places like Venezuela and um, Zimbabwe, it's, it's one thing to have a, a, a localised issue with inflation. But when you've got a potential of that happening to the, the US dollar, which is the global reserve currency, that's a very different kettle of fish, I think. Hmm. Uh, and we're going to see a very destabilising effect uh, when this all starts to kick off, which I think will be quite soon. Okay. Um, so I, I think at the moment we've got sort of three major strands going on with it with the the fraud we've got the vaccine agenda which everybody's probably well well aware of now um we've got the control surveillance freedom type aspects of it and then we've got this economic reset that's just around the corner and they're all interlinked of course um i think their vaccine agenda is going really well for them i think it's, it's pretty much as planned the people have been mostly duped into having having the vaccines that are now available. Um, mm -hmm. We've got this narrative of the variants where uh, there's a potential for another vaccine to be required for those, um, and then there'll be boosters required for the existing ones, etc. So I think that's all moving exactly as planned for them. Um, the control aspect's also going well, I think. We've got the easing of the lockdowns now in sort of the UK and America, etc., but if you listen to the, the rhetoric and the narrative, you, you can already hear the little sort of little drops of, oh, well, it's, the vaccines are not that important, actually. It's the lockdowns that are doing all the good. And they're just priming people to, for another lockdown in the future. <laughs> um, That's right. We've still got the mask thing going on, so we've got it in our face all the time. Yeah. And I think we can soon expect to see the move towards the digital passports for the lockdowns, travel restrictions, and I think we'll see isolated parts of society being pushed towards mandatory vaccinations. We'll see the health service, care, home workers, these sorts of people will be mandated by contract to be vaccinated before they can do their jobs. This sort of, this will be the thin end of the wedge before they try and roll it out en masse. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, we get to the, the economic side, which I think it's a bit, uh, this is the very much in the, in the, background at the moment it's not in the forefront of people's minds because yeah um the, the current situation is being masked really by the things like the furlough scheme and the helicopter payments etc they are giving people a, a distorted perception of what's going on um and at the moment if you actually look at what's going on in the economy we've got we've got sort of zero interest rates interest rates are the primary mechanism of control in the normal monetary system when you hit zero you sort of you you lose the leverage of that mechanism um and that makes money when interest rates are low a currency sorry e easy to get hold of because you don't have to pay any interest on it um we've got increasing unemployment which again is a very subtle effect it's not in the headlines much but businesses are going bankrupt every day mm -hmm. all over the world and that's leading to unemployment so unemployment's definitely going up and then we've got this insane printing of currency which is on a scale that, that we've never ever seen before and it's, it's not just a, a little bit of an increase it's a massive increase in the amount of currency that's being 
churned out. We, we say printing, obviously, most of it comes in the digital form these days. But nevertheless, they're adding huge amounts of currency to the existing pool. And there's also a low velocity of this currency in the system. This, this currency is not moving around much. and People tend to be sticking it in their savings accounts rather than spending it. So there's get, we're getting a buildup of this currency in people's savings accounts. And then there's a very hidden high inflation behind the scenes that people are not aware of because they're only exposed to certain aspects of the economy at the moment. So they might not see it in the CPI, which is a measure of a basket of goods that somebody chooses. And then they look at this every month and say, how much has this gone up or down? Well, the price of a loaf of bread might not have gone up very much. The price of clothing might have come down a little bit. So on average, there's probably very little visible inflation in the CPI measure of it. But if you go into the other aspects of the economy, you'll see huge increases in the, in the cost of things. And people will only realise this when they actually go out to try and purchase those particular things rather than the things they, they buy on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, I think the, the economy's output is probably quite low because lots of people are not yeah. at work. And then we've got this illusion of a stock market that's healthy, but it's actually just in a ridiculous bubble. And that bubble is being fueled by this currency printing of the governments and through the bond mechanism, which is a bit complicated. But anyway, the, the money that they're printing basically is going into the stock market to prop up the illusion that everything is all right. But this is a, it's nonsensical if you sit back and think about it. When you think that a lot of businesses are not producing anything, how can their, their wealth, their value be going up? It's just a nonsensical concept. There may be individual stocks, like the Amazons of the world, which aren't making hay while the sun shines at the moment. But for the average company, they will have not been performing that well over the last 12 months. So the notion that their, their share value has gone up is just nonsensical. Yeah. Um, and then underlying all this we've got a population that's paralyzed by fear so they're not really thinking straight they're not thinking through all of this economic stuff so we've got a perfect recipe now for an economic disaster and this is all with the backdrop of an economy that's on life support anyway since 2008 where it it was broken then and it's been broken ever since but but they've been patching it up year on year and they know, the people running this system know that they either had to let it collapse and be blamed for that collapse, or yeah. they had to find a way to blame us for the collapse or some other third party for the collapse. And so they're, they're going to use the pandemic as the reason why this is all going to go horribly wrong. Where in fact, mm-hmm. it was going to go horribly wrong anyway. Mm-hmm. So, so like I've been saying from the outset, this is just a cover story. Yes, it is. It is a cover story, I think. Uh, you can you can make up your own mind whether it was an intentional cover story, but even if it if it was an accidental thing that happened, they're making they're making use of that certainly. Now they can see a way out where they don't have to blame themselves, because at the end of the day, the politicians involved in all of this they want to be re-elected, etc. So the last thing they want is to be blamed for the complete collapse of their economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's certainly a very convenient pandemic, isn't it? If you, yes. if you wanted to collapse your economy without taking the responsibility yes. for that collapse. 
We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. By the way, people might want to do a little digging and research as to what happens when an economy does collapse and you get things like hyperinflation. It is not pleasant. No, hyperinflation is, um, I mean, that's on a different scale to the inflation that most people will have come across in their lives. And again, you need to speak to somebody from Venezuela or whatever, and they'll tell you what, it, what it's like when that happens. Um, but the main thing, I mean, governments and economists use inflation to get rid of debt. They um, they inflate their way out of debt. So let's say you've got a mortgage that's and you owe £10,000, but your salary is only £20,000. That, that debt that you've got is half of your salary. But if you inflate your salary to £100,000, that £10,000 debt becomes a tenth of your salary. And so by inflating certain aspects of the economy, you can, you can offset the debt burden that people have got. And, and this is how governments often use uh, inflation to control debt because we've got this debt-based uh, economy where currency comes into existence as debt <clears throat> and so they've always but that, that's why all the notes have i promise to pay the bearer of the man they're just ious aren't they They are just ious yeah, yeah um and of course in the old days you used to be able to take that iou into a bank and get your little piece of gold that represented that I, I tried that a couple of years ago. I said, I'd like my 20 pounds, please. And they looked at me like I'd lost my mind. <laughs> I think a lot of people who work in the banks don't even know the sort of history of all this. Yep. But you're certainly not going to get much change out of 20 pounds if you take it to a bank. Um, yeah, so, so inflation is a mechanism that's normally used. But the thing that generates inflation is this printing of currency. And the more that you print the more likely you are to get inflation. And yeah, and the more you devalue everything that's in existence, because if I had two pencils and I made a third, now each pencil has been devalued, hasn't yeah. it, just by scarcity? Yeah, and I think that people need, they need to think about this, because the whole point of this conversation to me today is, is for people not to be as stressed as they might be. So if they're expecting something, then they can be prepared for it, and then hopefully their stress level won't be so high when it happens. This is what I'm hoping from today's conversation. Mm. But a key, a key point for people to realise is if they hold their wealth in fiat, and for people who don't uh, know what the word fiat means, it's a Latin word that I think means by decree. And so fiat currencies are those currencies that the politicians have decreed we will use as our currency. So they're called fiat. So the pound sterling and the, and the ruble and the, and the yuan in China and the US dollar, et cetera, these are all fiat currencies. And they don't hold any intrinsic value themselves. Um, and so if you hold your wealth in a, in a fiat form, if that fiat is devalued by the high printing of, of the currency, you're effectively being 
taxed or your wealth is being eroded for every pound or dollar that they print, what you hold in that denomination is being devalued day by day. And once you grasp that, then that hopefully prompts you to think, well, how can I hold on to the store of wealth that I've got? And I think people need to be thinking about this at the moment. It's certainly something I started thinking about as soon as this thing kicked off last year, because a lot of my uh, pensions, etc., were in basically fiat-based assets. And that, to me, is, is probably not the way ahead if you've got this insane currency printing going on and the value of that denomination is, back, is likely to go down in, in, the, in the short term. Mm-hmm. And I, I've heard a very good analogy uh, that holding fiat is like holding an ice cube and it, you're just watching <laughs> your wealth melt in front of your eyes. And that's what would happen yeah. if we get hyperinflation. Yeah. Because the £10,000 you thought in your savings account was going to be a nice little nest egg when you retire, it might not buy a loaf of bread if you get hyperinflation. Well, speaking of bread, I read stories that certainly in Germany with that hyperinflation, you would get paid and you would run with your wheelbarrow full of money to the shop, but the money was worth less than when you got paid than when you got to the shop a few minutes yeah, later. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, um, and that's, you can see the pictures of those sorts of things where wheelbarrows going on in the Weimar Republic, etc. Yeah. And so yeah. It, it is a reality if hyperinflation kicks off. We might yeah. not get that, that insane level of inflation because of the nature of the US dollar being the reserve currency. But nevertheless, I think we're in for some certainly startling inflation shortly. Yeah. Um, and I think the furlough schemes have, and the helicopter payments that people are getting in the, in the US at the moment, they very much, they're sort of sleeping tablets, if you like. They're, they're stopping yeah. people from revolting. Because if people sat at home with this little payment coming in, they think, oh, I'm not going to cause any trouble because I'm okay. I've got 80% of what I'd have been earning anyway. Um, But this this money, this currency, the the government won't just forget about it. They'll they'll come after it. They'll want it back. Of course they will. They they, they steal the money off you by tax. They give it back to you. Then say, right, you need to give it back to us again. Yeah, so so we'll see this. Oh, we've given you so much money. We've had such a rough time with the virus. We will have to put tax tax rates up, and yep. so they'll take that very money, currency off you, anyway. But but I think the main thing about the furlough scheme is is to just keep to pacify people, to make them yeah. think there's nothing going wrong, and that once the furlough scheme ends, well, I think it's two things, Tony. It's not just pacifying them; it's making them think that they're being looked after by this so-called benevolent organisation that's actually behind the problem anyway. Yeah, yeah that's very, that's very true. They're sort of um, obfuscating the, where the responsibility lies, and then they're basically they're basically blame the virus on us for all this debt that they'll suddenly be in, and then. Even though all this debt is sort of fictitious anyway, they'll still make use of it as a leverage to, to take more of your wealth yeah. off you. Yeah. And so I think people probably, if they're wise, will look look at their sort of assets. And you remember that when we work and uh, and our labour and our intellectual labour, etc., is stored in some form, um, and that is sort of what wealth is. It's the sort of output of our labours, be they intellectual or physical. And then we we work and we get paid often in the in the fiat currency. 
But if that currency then becomes worthless, all of that wealth that we gave, all that effort that we gave and stored yeah. has, has suddenly been depleted and lost. Yeah. And it, it, it disappears. It, it doesn't actually disappear off the face of the earth. It goes somewhere else. It's redistributed. And over the centuries, the whole... It wouldn't happen to be hoovered up, would it? <laughs> I was going to say yeah, exactly what I was going to say. The whole system is designed to suck wealth up from the, the people at the bottom of the pyramid to those at the top. And that's why those at the top are sat on a yacht in, in a harbour in Monte Carlo, sipping champagne, while the rest of us are out trying to earn a living. It, that's how it works. It's set up to be like that. And once you realise that, you can start to take steps not to be a victim of it. But until you do realise that's what's going on, um, they get away with it. Um, now... I don't know how much uh, people are interested in other ways of protecting their, their wealth, but I can tell, I can't give financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor anyway, but I could tell people, uh, I give people a broad brush of what I've been doing to give them some ideas. I don't know if that would be helpful. That would be very helpful. Yeah, please. So I, I look at things that have got intrinsic value. So things like precious metals, for example, they have intrinsic value. They, Things like gold have held a sort of um, esteem in society over thousands of years. And so we look to things like gold as a store of wealth, and it can be used to make things like jewellery or in certain technical applications, etc. But it's a recognised form of money. And we don't use it as currency because it's just a bit unwieldy to, to sort of try and snip bits off, and then you've got the problem with weighing it and all this sort of stuff. <clears throat> so... That's why we backed the gold with a currency that was more interchangeable and easy to use. But, but we can think about gold and silver, etc., as stores of wealth. And so I've been moving some of my fiat assets into those precious metals. And people say, oh, well, the, the price of this is that and the price of this is the other. But they're always thinking about the price in terms of the fiat money so they're measuring the value of gold against the value of the dollar or whatever but that's not really the way to look at it because if the thing you're measuring it against is about to go to zero in its worth then you've still got the gold and if it, you know so so you should not necessarily measure things like gold and silver against the dollar just look at them for their intrinsic propensity to store the wealth that you've generated in your life I think at the moment, if the, the prices of gold and silver are distorted by the derivatives markets, where yes. the price of these things is, is basically gambled with leverage in the economic system. And people make huge amounts of money out of this. But that's what depresses the prices versus the dollar of these metals. But intrinsically, they're worth huge amounts more. Oh, yeah, it's an interesting thing, too, is that the price of silver, as an example, can be low, but you can't get the physical stuff from time to time because the physical demand is high, and that flies in the face of why the price is low unless you start to factor in what you've just talked about. Yeah, so if, if you try and physically get hold of silver and you want it delivered, you will never get it at spot price. You'll always pay above that price. And because particularly silver has been depressed in its intrinsic value, because silver has got huge applications in um, technology. 
Um, and countries like China have a huge demand on silver to keep their industries going. Um, and the, the Brits did a great job when they pinched a lot of China's silver in the opium wars. And I think China need it back. But the, the demand in general for silver is going to grow and grow over the next few years. And if you look at silver's price in relation to gold, it, it's, it's disproportionately low. You've got gold up at $1,500 or something and silver down at $25 an ounce. And that's just not a true representation of the values of those metals to, to the economy and to, and to people's wealth. And so I think if you, from a personal view, I think silver's got more potential to hold value and grow in value. Um, and so I'm certainly looking at those assets rather than being in fiat. Um, and then, of course, we've got the digital gold, which is Bitcoin. And this is, um, this is a space that very few people have entered yet. Very few people, I find, understand the, the sort of crypto world at all. But mm -hmm. when you do look into that space, you'll find that Bitcoin is a fantastic store of value. And in many ways, it's better than gold because it's got a limited supply. Gold has got some inflation. We're digging gold up every day, so we're 2% a year or whatever it is. And from seawater, they make it as well, don't they? They can extract it from seawater. Very small amounts, but they've got the big equipment in the ships to do the it. Gold, now. certainly, yeah. And um, things like silver, there's a lot of reserves under the sea off the coast of South America, places yeah. like that. And, of, of course, as its value goes up, it makes it more attractive as something that people want to go out and mine. Because obviously you're not going to go to a lot of effort to mine something from under the sea if you're not going to get a good return on your investment. But, yeah. but the market will drive the exploration. But the point is that those things are not finite in supply. We can dig more of them up or synthesize. Yeah. But Bitcoin has got a fixed supply. Um, and it's also very easy to move around. So with gold, it's, it's more difficult if you want to give somebody on the other side of the world some gold for a transaction. That involves a lot of effort and a lot of risk, etc. whereas a Bitcoin transaction can be done in seconds over the internet if you've got a connection. Um, and storing a Bitcoin is very easy. You can store it on a USB device, as it were, whereas gold and silver, they've got problems of storage and, and safety etc so i although people will say oh I, I i don't understand this crypto stuff but you really should probably spend a little bit of time understanding bitcoin particularly because i think we'll see over the next few years bitcoin becoming a mainstream asset it's already happening there's a lot of investment from the mainstream institutions the, the big banks the investment houses the pension funds paypal uh, these are, you know, all these sort of mainstream major financial um, yeah. institutions are looking at either investing in Bitcoin itself or, or accepting cryptos as means of exchange in, in their systems. And yeah. we'll see this transition more and more towards Bitcoin being a, a significant part of these major houses, uh, investment portfolios. But I think um, one thing that people need to look at Bitcoin in, in connection with is that the fact that the main 
the mainstream governments will be moving to digital currencies very soon. This is part of the economic reset agenda, is to get rid of physical cash and move to a digital form of, of, uh, of doing business. I think that is so dangerous for us. It is hugely dangerous because, A, it's not like Bitcoin because Bitcoin's got this limited supply. It's, it's not inflationary, it's deflationary. Whereas when the, when the governments start printing their own digital currencies, they're no better than the digital fiat, that, the, the physical fiat that we've got now. They're no different because they can, they can manufacture or mine as many of their units of currency as they want. So the digital asset will be just as likely to be inflated as the, the physical assets that we've got now. Um, and so they've got control over the actual supply of this stuff. But you'll be given a digital wallet where you'll store this stuff. So you might your salary will go or your, your universal basic income, if you're unfortunate enough to be unemployed, will go into your digital wallet. But they can do all sorts of stuff digitally with that wallet. They can make it inaccessible, for example. If they didn't want you to be able to access your UBI, they could just turn your wallet off. Or they could they could make it they could make your uh, your payment time expiry. So let's say they wanted to people to spend their money quickly, they could put like a like they do with the coupons at the supermarket, you know, this this yeah. money expires on the 1st of, of May. And so people have got to go out and spend it before it expires. And they can put restrictions on where you can use it. You know, they could say, well, if it comes from this wallet, don't don't honor the transaction. So there's all sorts. Yeah, they could, they could geofence it really easily. Yeah, they could they could keep you within a radius of your home because it's not, it, this, this wallet doesn't work outside of the radius. So there's all yep. sorts of ways they can manipulate and control people once they've gone to this digital currency because at the moment if you've got cash you can go and spend it anywhere and, and you can move around at liberty and nobody knows who you're transacting with where you're transacting because the, the pound note in your pocket is not traceable but as soon as you go to yep. digital everything is on the blockchain everything is known yep. um, and this is why you'll see a lot of fear uncertainty and doubt being cast by the mainstream on things like Bitcoin, because they know damn well that Bitcoin is a huge threat to their plan to dominate the world through the digital currencies. Um, and people need to, to know the difference between a decentralized and a centralized crypto system, because Bitcoin, et cetera, is a decentralized system. And to some extent, you've got some privacy and, and you can transact with people on your own terms um, and keep those transactions as, as secret as you wish. I mean, the, the, the blockchain itself, the, the sort of ledger upon which all these transactions are locked is accessible. So if somebody really wants to go out of their way to find out who's exchanging with whom, they could, they could do that. But it's a lot more private and um, less tamperable with, if you like, by these entities that want to control your life whereas the digital mainstream digital ones will be completely controllable yeah and so i think it's probably useful for people to have their own their own crypto even when we do move to a digital uh, general one so i'm certainly moving that way and there's 
there's a huge um if you look at the the bitcoin market over the last 12 months let's say if you go back to say when the uh, pandemic kicked off in march last year bitcoin bottomed out around about three thousand three and a half thousand dollars if you look at it today it's up at sixty five thousand dollars so it's 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 made massive gains because people are starting to realize its intrinsic value as a store of wealth and i think that will only mm-hmm. get better in the future you do need to understand the space though before you get involved with it so do your homework before you start messing around with it but certainly something people should spend some time looking at mm-hmm. um i think property is a difficult one to assess what's going to happen with the actual prices of property but i think i i look at if you've got a house it's of such value to you because you live in it and it keeps you safe and warm etc that property is a very good thing to have if you if you if you've got it what will happen to the prices of property versus dollars and pounds is anybody's guess you could get some sort of deflationary period where the property market crashes or you could get some hyperinflation of the property market as the as the currency is devalued that it the price of property could escalate hugely but i think that's not really the important thing to look at not 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 its value against the dollar it, it's what is the house worth to you as a person and i think if you've got your own house that's probably a good investment if you like irrespective of what's happening to the money markets um and the other thing is to look at, at your debt because if you're in if you're in debt with a mortgage uh, if the if the currency does hyperinflate that debt that you thought was a big debt will suddenly become a very small one so mm-hmm. debt becomes not uh, not a really bad thing until in, interest rates go up such that that debt costs a lot to to hold yeah because at the moment interest rates are very low so so it makes that if you if you borrowed money at zero interest and put it into bitcoin last you know last march you can mm-hmm. make huge amounts of dollars and pounds but if the money was expensive the currency was expensive to borrow then you might not have made such big gains yeah and so there's always that uh, that trade off to to think about um but i've sort of moved out of stocks because i think the stock market itself has got the bubble's got to burst at some point so i think there will be a fall in the stock market and lots of people's um pensions etc they're sort of the thing that they're relying on to keep them safe as they go into their retirement if that suddenly bursts the day you retire what you thought was a nice little pot of money to keep you going suddenly might not be as big as you thought it was going to be so you think you need to really think about what stocks you're in um mm-hmm. and i mean obviously some stocks will do better than others so i think it's it's a case of not just blindly putting your money into stocks really think about which stocks have got some worth to them amazon yeah. and places like that amazon have got obviously a good business model and they're doing really well versus another company that might be about to go bankrupt but their stock is high at the moment so yeah. you need to look at those sorts of um most people have got financial advisors who should should be aware of all this sort of stuff but what i do find with the financial advisors is that very few of them understand the crypto world and i think that's yeah. that's one area where that they need to be educated as well um as as the people who are taking advice from them. is there anything you can think of that uh 
No, I think that's been useful. If you had any resources or recommended directions you could point people towards and just send me an email, I can add that to the description. If it's just, just general information on cryptos or areas you might suggest they look at. Yeah, the crypto world is, has got some very good people in it uh, doing YouTube videos, etc. where you, you can yes. get an awful lot of information off them. Um, the, there's, there's two sort of work, things you can do with the crypto world. You can just invest in the coins themselves because people probably don't realize there's about 8,500, 9,000 different coins. Some of them are, are really not worth anything at all, but others are, are projects. They're related to projects that have got huge potential going forward. And if you can identify these coins in their inception, you can get huge gains just by holding the coins over a period of time. Yeah. Um, things like Bitcoin go, tend to go through cycles over about four-year cycles. So they go up in value, then down a bit, and then up and down. So you, you, can, you can actually buy and sell the same coin within the cycle and, and slowly grow, compound your, your wealth in that. Um, and there are other coins like Ethereum, which, which they have a different application. So if you think of Bitcoin as a digital type of gold, Ethereum is, is a different thing altogether. This is the platform upon which a lot of the smart contracts in the digital world are built. And so it's a completely different application of a cryptocurrency, but it still has a massive potential for value and growth. Mm -hmm. And so when you're going into the crypto world, you, you just need to identify the coins that you think will hold their value or be aware of the cyclical nature of some of them and not get involved in the ones that are likely just to go straight up and straight down again to zero because you could lose an awful lot of money if you did that. Mm -hmm. um, so you can do this, it's called hodling. You, you hold on for dear life with these coins and just wait for them to, to appreciate over time. Or you can go into you can actually trade with crypto as well in certain parts of the world, just as people mm -hmm. trade with stocks and shares. You yeah. can trade with cryptocurrency. But again, you can lose you could lose your house in seconds if you don't know what you're doing. So this is something to be very wary of. And anybody who starts trading with cryptocurrency really needs to know what they're doing before they get involved in that yeah um, but it's certainly something not to ignore because by ignoring it you're missing out on huge potential to store your wealth that you've worked hard for all your life to, to build up You made mention before about the, the 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 kind of money being hoovered upwards there, there is a wealth grab coming I can see it and they've already I've seen examples of it. Now, where was it? It was in America when they were having the riots. And they always seemed to be happening in and around where there was a Federal Reserve Bank nearby, which I thought was kind of coincidental. But it also enables people to come in because there was no insurance cover on those buildings. Then people with a lot of money can come in and buy existing businesses and assets literally for very little. So I, I can see that happening with a lot of businesses that are going bust. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest parts of the agenda, isn't it, is the wealth grab. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you listen, if you listen to Mr. Schwab and the WF Mafia, they they are angling towards removing all of our assets from us, and, and yeah. apparently we'll be very happy about this. So they'll take. I, I get that. Yeah, that's the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. We're going to shaft you, and you're going to that's love right. it. Really? <laughs> there's a picture of a nice young, young man smiling because he's just had his house removed and he's got no more debt in him. But 
Yeah, so that I think they're going to come after your house. They're going to come after your assets. They're going to come after your business. Um, and that they'll just say, well, you know, you've lost your job. Very unfortunately, lost your job. You can't pay your mortgage anymore. Or you can't pay the business rates on your business property anymore. But we'll take, we'll take control of that asset. We'll allow you to live in there. So you can still have your house, but we now own it. And we'll give you the UBI. So you don't have to worry about any money. But because we're giving you the UBI, you will do this, this, and this. So you'll have the vaccine. You'll you'll not riot. You will, you know, and you will have to comply. And, yeah. and then you can be happy without any debt. Well, yeah, it's not my idea. It doesn't sound like my debt. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see that in the private world of housing. I think we'll see that in the in the business world where oh, yeah. businesses go go out out of business and then they're repossessed. And this is what it's all about. It's about the people who can print the currency using that currency, which is just worthless pieces of paper, to buy real stuff. And they'll buy the real stuff when you're at your most vulnerable or they'll buy things like stocks when they're at their lowest. Because in, in any market, there's always a winner and a loser. The person who sells at the top of the market loses to the person who... Um, sorry, the person who sells at the bottom loses to, you know... The person who, who's buying it at a better and so there's this market yeah. where they can crash the value of something and then buy in at the bottom and let it go up again and then crash it again that's what uh senior red shield rothschild did wasn't it around the uh, battle of waterloo yes yeah that's going back a few years but even before my time but the <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll put some links to some very interesting banking books and stuff like that if people want to get a uh, a deeper inner standing of how this game works and don't think for one minute that it's not very dangerous and very cutthroat the game that they play it is and it's done at our expense for their win yeah i i think a a, a line of investigation should be for everybody should be the fractional reserve banking which is not yeah. taught at schools and I, I i get the impression it's not even taught on the economics course at university I, I don't know how this fraud is allowed to perpetuate through it just goes on and on uh, well, it's a huge Ponzi scheme. It is, and and but they they will say that something like Bitcoin's a Ponzi scheme, and that their scheme is is all above board. It's the other way around. Well, that's what psychopaths do. It's called projection. Yes, yeah, it's an inversion. I don't know. If that's right. We briefly discussed the fractional reserve banking system, but yeah, in the old days when when the gold was linked to the, the currency, that the, the bankers could only lend out as much as they had reserves of gold. But then they realised that people weren't coming in to claim their little bit of gold, so they decided, well, we can print more of these pieces of paper um, and we're fine if we've got a little bit of gold because if somebody does come in, we can still give them that, but most people won't. And then they sort of legalised this at some point in the journey and now banks are allowed to loan out anything from sort of 10 to 20 times the amount of assets that they've got and they create this money absolutely from nothing. They just type it into a computer and then they've got the audacity to charge you interest on this thing yeah. they've just created out of nothing. Yeah. And the more that this process goes around in the circle, the more assets they grab, and then the more they're allowed to lend to lend out. And this is how they grab businesses and et cetera, because they've got control over the, the stock market and the economic cycles. And as soon yeah. as they stop lending money, there's not enough physical currency in circulation for everybody to pay their their debt and that's why people default on their debt 
Well, I mean, back to the pencil example. If if I lend you a pencil and I say, by the way, I need two pencils back, and there's only one pencil in existence, how are you going to? Yeah, pay? you have to go to somebody else to get a pencil, and that's fine if they're still lending pencils out to everybody else. But as soon as they stop lending pencils yep. out, there's not enough pencils in the system, and somebody just hasn't that's got right. a pencil. And then they're that's right. It's it's like that old game, isn't it, where you play um, musical chairs? Yeah, it's, it's exactly that. Music stops, yep. and there's just not enough chairs, and the person that hasn't got a chair loses his business. And then the bank hoovers up that business, so they've got a physical factory, physical equipment, yep. and then they start yep. all over again. And this That's is right. how the wealth just gets dragged up and up and up. And why people don't, well, why they're not taught that is probably obvious because the system wants to know about it. <laughs> yeah. But why people don't cotton on to it when people like yeah. you and I talk about it and think, oh, a minute, that's yeah. not right. Um, yeah. That's beyond me. But a lot of things are beyond me at the moment, why people are behaving as they are. But Hopefully. Yeah, well, misbehaving as they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I, was, I was hoping to see some some sort of movement forward with people, but I don't know if I've seen a lot, a lot of everybody. I, I, I get the feeling there's a very definite split coming in terms of you've got the people that are moving forwards and the people that are headed down the other road, and that's fine if that's where they want to go. What I don't want is to get dragged down the road with them. I've got other plans. Yeah. Uh, but the problem we're getting is, is more, it's more divisive, isn't it? We're getting the, yes. we're getting the people to go in one way and the people going the other, and there's a lot of acrimony yeah. between the two. Yeah. And I'm finding that it's almost impossible to get anybody to to listen if they've if they're so cemented in their their box yeah. of what their reality is. They it doesn't matter what statistics I will feed them; they they will. Somehow. Yeah. Well, they've, they've got, you're up against their beliefs, you know, which which. It's the enemy of knowing, but that's that's what you're up against. If they've got a very definite belief, that's it, we're done, and there's nothing they can do. Yeah. But at the same time, sometimes, Tony, sometimes something will happen, and they go, hang on a second, I've had this recently where someone's gone back to me because he said to me more than a year ago, you're a fucking idiot. I said, well, yeah, that's as maybe, perhaps I am, perhaps I'm not. One sec, let me get rid of that. Do you know, it's the first time that's ever happened. (laughs) It'll be some scam call, so no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he said that, and then more recently he came back and he said, well, have you seen this? Have you seen this? He's now giving back to me all the information I've given him. <laughs> because he's got to a point where all of a sudden something's clicked over and he's gone, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And that's absolutely fine. And, you know, so it, there's a lot of benefit in just having discussions and putting information out and see who sees it, what goes on. I try not to get disheartened by it because it will reach someone. Even if it just reaches one, I think it's worth doing. But you're right that there's a lot of things where you think, how can you not see this? But then you've got this cognitive dissonance thing as well. They don't want to let go because then they realize everything else has been a lie and they've got a real problem and they'll implode or they think they will. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very disillusioned with my academic colleagues. I, they're, the, they're the sort of most difficult I find to actually get through to at all yeah the average i know i know people in the nhs are the same they the ones you can see are very disillusioned with the others around them that are supposed to be saving lives and they're putting people in danger with their actions yeah yeah there's lots of uh, nurses and doctors i do know that trying to argue the toss but of course they're being censored or ridiculed or marginalized or losing their jobs and uh, it's not easy for them within the system if you like to to make the changes because they've got a lot at stake and a lot of risk Oh, yeah. What was that phrase? It's very difficult to get a man to believe something when his salary depends on him not believing. Yes, that's a very good good little maxim. Yeah, I, 
Yeah. And that's that's definitely in play at the moment. Oh, I. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's genius the way it's all rolling out. It's just unfortunate and unpleasant to watch. Yeah, I mean, the, the vaccine thing is really, that's the thing that really worries me because that, that to me, is, is impacting people's health potentially. And oh, yeah. obviously one of my and yours main thrusts is to try and help people to become healthy and stay healthy. Yes. And yeah. by going down this vaccine route, people, it's just heartbreaking to see their smiling faces. They're all posting, oh, I've had my second dose yeah. and all it. And they, they're so happy and they think they've done the right thing. And I just want to say, no, no, please, please look at yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Well, I think there's another problem too. I've been reading a lot of statistical stuff that when they had the, the swine flu uh, marketing exercise, um, that less than 1% of the serious effects were even recorded. And I was talking to someone last night and I said, they were saying, yeah, but there's no, there's the, the, if you look at the average number of deaths on the ONS and stuff, there's no real spike, even though people have had that. And I said, how do you know those numbers are accurate? What if they're not being reported? So then you're looking at a number which is inaccurate and you're basing your decision-making criteria based on that because you're relying on the people that are providing you with the poison, providing you with the statistics to say the poison is safe. And I think that's the dangerous thing to do. Uh, yes, it does. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> And I think, as we said last time we spoke, there's, there's so much of this clouding of the truth using these numbers, very few yes. numbers of which are reliable. And when you've got yeah. unreliable numbers, you can you can make anything of the story. You can just twist them. Yes. To, and the, the vaccine reporting system, as you say, is voluntary. And I would imagine <laughs> that 1% is probably quite true of most of the statistics in there. Yeah. And... If you look at the ones that have been reported, they're pretty horrendous. Some of them. I still would. I don't want people to get the impression that there might be a huge level of risk because, again, these numbers might be small in comparison to the numbers of people that had the vaccine. But the point is that they're still putting themselves at risk and still having these symptoms when they didn't need to do that because they were never at risk from the disease. That's the point. That's the key point. That's right, yeah. I saw something yesterday, which is probably, uh, where was it now? Um, oh, that was it. It was a, a guy in Canada, and he said that seven out of ten ingredient, of the ten ingredients of the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine, um, there's a list of vaccine ingredients, and yet there is, um, if you look on the health and daily safety sheet, there are <laughs> 10 ingredients in there which have been clearly stated should not be given to humans or animals and used for research purposes only yeah there's lots of nasty stuff in there that adjuvants yeah. etc that are required for the action of a vaccine and yeah. a lot of them will result in just irritation of the body inflammation of the body and it's yeah. not healthy stuff to be putting in your body unless there's a very very good reason and <clears throat> no. pe people don't realize that either they say oh testing that's fine i don't mind being tested they don't realise there's stuff on the on the actual swabs that carcinogenic, yeah. ethylene oxides. That it, it's carcinogenic stuff that it's been sterilised with. And if you do it once, you probably be you know, the, the exposure is minimal. But if you keep doing it day in day out, you're exposing yourself over a period of time to this thing that could make you sick. And That's it's right, just yeah. nonsensical when there's no threat. And I just can't get my head around why people can't look at how they behaved with flu. Because influenza is pretty much exactly the same in terms of its mortality, etc., and its yeah. intensity of the. How were you behaving with flu? Now, why are you yeah. behaving in such insanely different ways now for something of the same magnitude? Because you've been programmed. Yeah, to. and they'll make up any excuse why it's different. Oh, long COVID. Oh, long. 
just making up stuff <laughs> to make it sound like it's something that's disproportionately worse than it, and it's not. So why can't they see that? And I, I still can't get my head around that. And it, other than, yeah, they've been programmed by incessant yep. and relentless media propaganda. Yep. yep. It's mind control. And, and also use of, you know, subliminals, lily ways, whatever. There's a lot of un, untoward stuff going on in the background to drive the point home. And yet there seems to be a proportion of people that it doesn't, it doesn't wash with. Didn't wash with you, doesn't wash with me. And I've had them from day one. No, I, I guess I guess people like you and me have, have had a period of time where we've seen so much of this stuff going on in all sorts of domains that yes. we instantly smell a rat and we don't take anything at face value. And we, no. we know where to look for the truth. So we look I mean, at the- it's to think as well, to ask questions and, and to dive into it because you, you and I, we probably don't have exactly the same view on everything. And in fact, I'm sure we don't, but we're looking at the same hymn sheet and we're singing the same song, but in different notes or different different harmonic chords, if you will, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm always, I'll always look at where, where the money is, for example, in anything. If yeah. somebody's telling me something, what, what's the financial aspect? Who's paying this guy? You know, is he sponsored by anybody? What does he stand to gain if this thing he says is true or not? And looking at that aspect of it, rather than just taking what's been said at face value. You need, you need to look behind the scenes and say, oh, yeah, well, he, and then look for alternative views. Well, he's saying that, but what's this other person saying? And why right, yeah. you know, and, and then come to some reasonable assessment of what the truth is or where the truth lies. But at the moment, people just turn the television on and they think that is the truth. And, yeah. and this rise of the fact checker is just distressingly annoying because whenever I tell somebody something, the first thing they do is go, go on to Snopes, whatever they call that. And they're, oh, no, no, you're talking nonsense, Tony. Well, why don't you look at the data yep. that I'm giving you? Why don't you look at that, not listen to, to some fact checker that's got an agenda that yeah. you don't understand? Yeah. And but it's, it's back to the programming again. They've been, they've been told you've got to go and check this, you've got to check that. And I think, I think when it comes down to it, one of the things I've learned to do in my life is to trust myself, to trust my instincts and to trust my judgment and to just work with that and see what resonates. Because I come across stuff sometimes and I think, that goes against everything I know, but it feels right. Let's dig further. And invariably, it is right. Yeah, yeah, we should yeah, rely on intuition and uh, common yeah. sense a lot more than we do. And I, oh, I, people need to stop delegating responsibility to perceived experts and realise that those experts have probably got agendas, most of them. Um, yeah. And when you do realise that, and also realise that they're just human beings like you, you, you know, and human beings are prone to error, they're prone to corruption, they're prone to delusion, they're prone to all these little sort of foibles of life, just like everybody yeah. is. And it's just not wise to just take experts' opinions on face value. Yeah. Just use your own common sense and intuition and do a bit of your own research and then ask some sensible questions and you'll get closer to a reasonable answer then. Yeah, well, I think one of the things I always do as well is, is it's the do they give a shit test. So I'm, I'm asking myself, do they really give a shit about me or not? And the answer always comes back is probably not. No, it's very- and in that case, I've got another filter to use. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's still people out there that think the government's acting in their best interest and cares about them. And that, you know, that if you've got that fundamental thing wrong, then you're going to assume lots of things. Oh, they would never do this yeah. if it was going to hurt me. Yeah. 
Well, I think one of the other problems people do as well, Tony, is that they say, well, why would they do that? And that's a trap. Do not go there. I never do that. Yeah. I don't care why they do it. I'm just watching what are they actually doing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I always get the why question. And often the why answer is a huge, it's a book. Yeah. That yes. And then some. Why this COVID <laughs> fraud is, it, it's a book. Yeah. And you haven't got time for a book. And because they, you can't yeah. answer the why question, they, 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 they can right. ignore everything else that you're saying. I just say, look at what's going on around you and look at, is this sensible? You know, if you meet, if you come across somebody on the floor bleeding to death, you don't ask why. Why has that person been stabbed or whatever? You get on with dealing with the problem in front of you. You say, well, he's losing blood. I need to stop the blood. I need to call an ambulance. And he, you, you deal with the situation sensibly. You don't, you don't sit there, well, I'm not going to touch you until, until I know why he stabbed you. <laughs> but basically if you took it back to what you said before they can say well i don't believe you're actually bleeding because you haven't told me That's why right, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it's nonsensical behavior and it's not yeah. the behavior that they would apply in any normal circumstances just when they've been brainwashed that was yeah i'm, I'm going to take that analogy i like that one thank you it's going to save me some time <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we we need to do go go back to basics and back to looking at what's around us and i tell people just look at the at the world you're living in now is that yeah. the world that you want to live in do you yeah. want to be frightened to touch people to, to hug people to kiss people do you want to be wearing a mask all the time do you want to be barred from certain venues and doing certain things yeah. do you want to have to have a vaccination to do, to live your life is this what you want don't worry about why it's happening and if you don't want to, you need to stop complying and stop yeah. consenting, take your mask off and go back to living a normal life as you would have done any other year of your life. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm going to break, I think, this part of the video out into separate video as well, just a little tiny short one, just that little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes, <laughs> the, yeah, the, the, the longer protracted discussions, sometimes people switch off, don't they? But if you can hit, hit a nice little sound bite of a short period, they... They might just listen yeah. to that, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like them. It just, it was good. And, and I want the analogy. So I, I can, maybe I should stab myself <laughs> while I'm leading, say, please don't help me unless you can explain why I stab That's myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or I get a big T-shirt that says, stop asking why. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, that was a, I, well, I hope I covered some economic stuff of value there, but. I, th I think so. I think that was extremely useful and I've really enjoyed it as always. I'm very grateful to you for taking the time out of your day and sharing some ideas and thoughts and knowledge and some of the paths that you've taken, which is similar to the ones I've taken. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think I don't want people to be stressed because I think if they do get stressed and caught by surprise, you know, it's not, not good for their health. They'll go, we see this all the time. People who lose their businesses or, you know, they get yeah. very depressed and, and stressed and that's not good for their health. And, as many people as we can yeah. save from that, that end, then let, let's yeah. hope we can save one or two from these sorts of conversations. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, I'll let you know when all this is up, and I look forward to our next discussion. Brilliant. Look forward to speaking to you next week. All right, look after yourself, buddy. Take yeah, care, mate. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.